Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Strangers in the night. So I went into a, Exchanging a few weeks ago. I was in a, um, went into a record shop that was playing this brilliant album. Yeah, and uh, so I went up to the desk and said, "Can I? Hey, what's that? It's amazing!" And they said, "It's our record of the week by a band called Snapped Ankles." Yeah, and I winced because like anyone who's been there with you know, Lawrence, Lawrence two thousand five lines and yeah. Cipriani, and I winced, but I still bought it. It's brilliant, but I, I just wish they changed their name because all I can think of is that Camille Lopez and yeah. Lawrence doing his ankle in Cipriani. It's horrible. It's a horrible name, but it's a great album. That's quite bad. That's quite Ken good. Like, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> That's be- leave that in. That's better than anything we've come up with so far. Hello, everybody. This is my first take, and if you believe that, you believe anything. Welcome to The Ruck, the Times and Sunday Times weekly rugby podcast. Thanks for listening and tuning in and downloading us. Uh, today, we're going to be uh, reacting to some of your reactions to us that, we, that we've had in. We sit here in our London studios um, in the wake of what I consider to be one of the greatest weekends of European rugby. All sorts of uh, of great games. Exeter winning away at Montpellier. Was coming back to form. La Rochelle. Who? Who? Where have they come from? Suddenly playing magical rugby, and uh, controversy all the way as normal. Dylan Hartley, Joe Marlin, Nathan Hughes involved in it. So too John Hardy and Marlin Yard, who didn't play but is involved in controversy and tragedy of all tragedies. The All Blacks lost. That'll take about 2% of the population who may now stop fawning all over them. Our panel today, no Owen slot today, so it should all go well. Uh, we've got the dogman, uh, Adam Hathaway, after his uh, performance on the weekend in Claremont, also known as the duck man. We went to uh, I ate with him seven times. He had six duck uh, main courses and one at Poulet when he'd had a duck starter. <laughs> Uh, latest news from the uh, Greyhound tracks, Jack? Uh, not great last week, uh, second and a third. What we're actually going to do now is we're going to have a bit of a recruitment drive. We're going to do what the Scots are doing and we're going to go round the world looking for English qualified grounds. OK, fair Ooh. enough. Well, you, you've got to take some action because it's not good enough uh, and I think you know that. And um, uh, your your vote of confidence from the chairman is about the same as uh, the Everton chairman. It's uh, I think those dogs have got to go <laughs> and we need proper world-class practitioners. We've also got Alex Lowe um, from the Times, uh, Alex was at WASH yesterday and um, opened up his report with a baffling thing about high fives. I didn't quite get that, but I think in the end, <laughs> I think he got the score right and, and WASH won. Welcome, Alex. We, we, we've also got even bigger Al Dimmock from uh, from Rugby World. Al's going to give us a, a, a slant on everything, but we're going to ask him uh, about drugs in Scotland for a start. So that'll probably trip him up. 
guys, um, where were we on the weekend? Uh, what did we love? Adam, apart from the duck, also uh, that rather comely um, waitress you were talking to in that Australian <laughs> bar. What else, what else did you see that excited you? <laughs> Um, that bottle of stuff the waiter brought out for lunch on Saturday as well, whatever it was, the firewater. Yeah. Um, on the pitch, well, Northampton gave it a bit of a crack in Claremont, but they were never going to win that game. Um, I think we're going to discuss the main talking point of that match later on, which was obviously the Hartley um, yellow card. But great occasion, great ground. It's the first time I've been there. I thought it was fantastic. If you uh, if you want to, if you if you had a choice and you could only watch one team in one place for the rest of your life, okay, you'd be, you'd be bored by the end. But Claremont would be a fair old fair old place. Just yeah. just a just a magnificent place. I got a lot of stick on social media for buying a Claremont top from the um, <laughs> from the souvenir shop, but it was freezing there, and I'd left my fleece in the hotel, so I think it was perfectly reasonable. You did look like a cheerleader, though. I know, I was one of the... Is it Les Jonards? Anyway, at least my boys won. (laughs) (laughs) Alex, Wasps at uh, at Coventry. Revival or just not too soon to say? Um, No, I think it points in the right direction for them. All the things that hadn't been working for them in the the five defeats, that they weren't getting over the gain line, they weren't physical enough, and it meant that their their bat line weren't able to penetrate. Um, That all went well for them, all behind Nathan Hughes, big... Thunderous carries from him. Defensively, they were really strong. Um, they they smothered Marcus Smith, and um, they obviously learned their lesson from five weeks uh, ago when when Quinns won at, at the Rico. Um, so I think it, 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 it's been coming together. They weren't too bad in Ulster, but they they, they should have held on for a bonus point there. So it's it, it's positive signs. Um, but it, the, the highlight for me was was Exeter. I think of a of a pretty special weekend. They really look like a, you know they're English champions, but they really look like, like they're now ready to make a mark on on Europe, which is which is great to see because they've got some wonderful players. Thanks, Alex. Uh, um, Al, I think you were getting animated there with something that Arthur was saying. Um, let's, let's go to Al from Rugby World. Alex, you, you talked about containing Marcus Smith there. How important do you think that is actually for his career trajectory? Because it seems so far like he's been running on water, and oh. a lot of people have talked about how fantastic he is. But it's important for a player's development to have a hiccup here or there. How good for him do you think that game was? Uh, it's oh, massively important because he's, you know, he's an 18-year-old kid who's come straight from schoolboy rugby and has had a, a very good season. No one's really put him under the kind of pressure that Wasps did yesterday, and they they, they charged down a kick of his. They were they were rushing up so quickly in defence that almost as soon as he got the ball, he was squeezed. He had, he had to make decisions he hasn't had to make before he's 18 years old I and mean, he's a long way from being the finished article and those experiences in that kind of a uh, an, an intensity um are vital for his development otherwise he'll, you know it's not going to be a, a cakewalk forever i don't think i think life's not a rehearsal i don't think he should be there i don't think he should have been there from the start and it's one of those things where english rugby wets itself about youngsters when they should never have been there al well, says he not giving anyone a chance to respond. Yeah, there, there was one. There's one thing uh, that was a highlight for me at the weekend, and it was the performance of La Rochelle. And everyone looked at the way that they performed in the top 14 last season, climbing all the way up there, and um, being in the mix for the title. It, no one expected it, and you thought it's. We've seen this before in French rugby, where you seem to see a team like Oyonna climb up, and it's all the passion of a small club getting getting bigger and uh, riding the crest of a wave. But this season, they've kicked on again, La Rochelle. That's two wins for them in their pool, and they're playing some phenomenal stuff. And Victor Vito has to be one of the form players in Europe at the moment. He is outstanding, and it's not just. Ev- you know, we're the the highlights YouTube generation where we see stuff getting shared viral, and it's lots of nice offloads. But Victor Vito is so 
so much more than that. He's not just your flashy number eight that comes from the other side of the world and plays Harlem Globetrot stuff. He actually puts a shift in, and it's fantastic to watch. Very just, good, very just, good point. Yes, Steve, uh, on, on your point about if you, Marcus Smith, if, first of all, he wouldn't be playing if Kachikidis hadn't had a horrible throat injury. Um, and secondly, if you only ever pick players when they're ready to play at the very highest level, you'd never pick anybody. Yes, you would. Well, how, how do you get ready if you can't... Because you can't because, ever learn from because first first of all you've got an under twenty team to to, to 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 cut your teeth. Secondly, you've got a bench that you can come on in weak games at the end to play 20, 20, 20 minutes. But they're just just to give a chuck a guy in, say, oh, he's eighteen, but he's doing his best. Why not find someone who's good? Well, I think he is good. And, and t- I think t- he is good. He was just put under pressure on Sunday, and. Um, even after being charged down, he wasn't afraid to take the ball to the line. He was putting players through gaps. I just think he was asking questions, which which he probably hasn't really been asked so far this season. But I, I don't think he's been out of place. But I also I also believe that he will be a better player because he's had that Absolutely. pressure. Because because yeah. you have to learn. You know, you, if you play only fifteen minutes here, fifteen minutes That's there against yeah. weaker opposition, then you'll only get used to playing against weaker opposition. So he'll wake up. He'll have woken up today and gone geez I was in a hell of a battle there I feel rubbish but actually he'll learn from that and I suppose we've all got to stumble at some point to, to, to oh, I hate the phrase but take the learnings is what everyone keeps saying okay, okay, I'll give you two two I'll give you two words then to dynamite your argument about oh he's, it's too early for him but don't worry he learned Matthew and Tate thank you <laughs> <laughs> guys uh, heard from uh, our, our great colleague uh, M- Mark Gillingham this morning um ordering us really and he's quite right to not to forget Treviso this weekend Bellatron Treviso they took Toulon all the way played magnificently under Kieran Crowley the coach obviously with Con Roche um, cracking the whip there too and uh, lost dramatically and horribly to a last minute kick that, that, that's fair enough for Mart isn't it we should uh, look we've, we've made fun of uh, not made fun but we've, we've, we've really written off the Italians but what, what a great result it could have been in, and in fact still is I think you see the influence that Con Roche is having on Italian rugby now in his, in his second year then he always said that he wanted to use the, the um, <laughs> one main club as a sort of nursery for his players and it seems to be paying off well the other the other side of that as well is you have to acknowledge the form that Zebre have shown in the Pro 14 and uh, whatever you whatever you think of uh, the Pro 14 and the way it is and it's it's an unusual year with the South Africans coming in but Zebre they've had a lot of tumultuous times off the pitch struggling to pay players this season I was speaking to George Biaggi the captain um, there a couple of weeks ago and he was saying that a little bit of stability and suddenly everyone goes actually Italian players aren't completely terrible when they get their head down and everything's sorted out the biggest problem with Italian rugby is the fact that they've got silos here there and everywhere so they've got the academy in Parma um, which is where Zebri but Treviso have always been the, the powerhouse team of the two it looks like they're getting their act together now and you're right Conor O'Shea must have been toiling away um, him and Stephen Abud who looks after the, the youth systems there it's starting to pay a little bit of dividends obviously a long way to go um, also uh, another one of our great uh, followers and uh, great mates uh, Big Sherry Andrew Sheridan uh, down, in, down at Bath has said that don't forget to uh, reflect Joy Neville um, who was on the touchline at uh, La- Montpellier, Montpellier yesterday for for a great game, and uh, is going to be the assistant referee for three international matches. Uh, that 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 great news. Good luck to her. Al um, can only be good. Absolutely, and it's it's a promotion system that you 
that you want to see in rugby and it, it's not just what you can do is just drop someone into to small games and just leave it at that but actually they're pulling through Joy will be will running touch for France versus Japan in the last game um, of, of the autumn series and actually that is such a big occasion It's it can only be good for her mm. it, it seems to be a bit of a theme that we're coming around to but it's it's promotion and it's not just token I'll, uh, let's talk about uh, discipline, I suppose, but also okay. social drugs. John John, John Hardy uh, allegedly uh, is up for um, a cocaine, taking cocaine. Well, so what it is, is the SRU are having an internal inquiry. They've pulled him out of all rugby. So it's actually the SRU uh, rather than rather than Edinburgh. So the High Hegians there have decided that they want to have an investigation. They have not released official statements. They have... They've, a lot of questions have been put to the SRU and they've not denied them. However, they, what they have said is that they're, the allegations that they do have are extremely serious and that they have to look in, into them. It could be um, the end of a career, potentially, at least in that part of the world. Whatever happens is John Hardy must have serious questions about his, his social life for, this, for something to go to this length and for it to, to come out as public as it has in such a short period of time. Um, the other side of things as well is that we need to start getting clarity on this from people because this is how speculation goes. You talked about people talking to you on social media, uh, taking like this is how rumours start swirling. You'd like to see uh, a union come out on the front foot and say this is what we're investigating, this is what we're looking at, innocent until proven guilty whatever we're looking at and if it all comes out in the wash that he's fine fantastic but there will be a point where we'll have to be whatever happens now he will have to be rehabilitated into our system after this I was, I was amazed it took until Sunday for it to come out what he was being charged for because I think it was our colleague Mark Palmer in the Scottish Sunday Times who managed to dig out the fact there was a cocaine thing he wouldn't I mean, there's nothing else came out on Saturday. Uh, Adam, uh, also, um, d what did he do and did he do it, uh, uh, saga with Marlon Yard? Um, we don't actually know. Did he do anything more than miss a session or half a session? Uh, again, it's uh, a lack of uh, information that makes us kind of speculate, isn't it? Should, it, should, should they not have said this is exactly what he did? Well, Alex was at that game. I think he can explain that. Yeah, they definitely should because in, in the wake of the John Hardy announcement where it was it was a terse statement with no further comment. Harlequins then did something very similar pre-match on, on Sunday, which immediately makes people think this is something incredibly serious. Potentially there's a legal issue involved if they're not going to say anything. And then during the course of the game, I hear that actually he, he was dropped for not, not turning up for the captain's run training session on Saturday, which might be quite a big deal on the eve of a match, but it's not it's not that big an issue and, and if the club had just come out and said well we've dropped him because he didn't turn up for the training session he's back in next week it, it's it's clarity it's done and dusted and it, and it stops people from from speculating over the truth and even when we tried to put the facts to the club they were they weren't even prepared to talk about it and i just think that's it, it's in some ways it's unfair on marlon yard because it allows people to to, to insinuate things that aren't there okay uh, just one before we move on just uh, you were there for <coughs> yesterday Joe Marler um, involved in uh, foul play Nathan Hughes al uh, uh, allegedly um, yeah. Mike Brown uh, a little bit rash with his uh, deliberate knock on but uh, what did you make of Marler and Hughes uh, so the Marler one was it was almost a case of uh, if you remember five weeks ago Marler wound up um, James Haskell and Haskell ended up getting sin-binned. On this occasion, it was Will Rowlands who just wouldn't release Joe Marler. Joe Marler's fuse uh, was lit and he, not with a huge amount of force because you can't do it, but he was standing up, Rowlands was on the floor and he sort of, he dropped down a forearm 
stroke elbow, which connected with the side of Roland's head, um, and he got a yellow card for it. It wouldn't have injured a rugby player, but it was a petulant and stupid thing to do. And because he connected with a forearm on the head, there's it, there's every chance um, that he might be cited. By the time you listen to this, the decision will probably be made. But as I left the stadium, I thought that there's a big chance here that, that he could be cited for that. Uh, Nathan Hughes, who had a, a, a superb game, um, did connect with Mark, Marcus Smith's head um, with a, a sort of a, a straight arm, swinging arm, and that's exactly the kind of thing that, that the disciplinary authorities take a dim view of, um, which is why that that case will be being looked at in the same way as the Dylan Hartley one was being looked at. Let's just go back to um, um, the, the, the actual play. Um, La Rochelle has given rugby a team on the on the west coast of France. Uh, Big Al's uh, talked uh, picked up Victor Vito. Uh, Hathis, um who do you who do you pick out on what was the 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 the, 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 the memorable rugby magic that we saw in in, in uh, Clermont? Well, the, the bad moment in Clermont was the injury to Camille Lopez, which looked yeah. an absolute shocker. The standout player was there, num- big number six, Ken uh, Corriet, I think it is. Ken Corriet, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank, thank yeah. you very much for that. Yeah. Um, I'd never seen him play before, to be honest, but he he was he put in a massive shift. Um, I mean, and also, I mean that game. It seemed that, um, especially when Claremont scored the second try when Hartley was in the bin, that although Saints were brave and Courtney Laws in particular sort of fronted up, um, they were never going to win. Never, they were never going to win that. Just, just think how good they were without Wesley Fofana. Yeah. Uh, ju- Judicial uh, Cancorier, that's may- maybe not the spelling, but we will be hearing that name uh, in the future. There is there is another thing from Claremont as well, and we'll we'll get to why Rabba Slamani was such a, a pivotal figure in this game because of the the part he played, or well, I didn't have much choice in it, but the part the part he played in the the Dylan Hartley uh, carding. Um, but he gave Northampton Saints such a torrid time in the scrum, and he's worth looking at Rabba Slamani. He moved to Claremont this year. Um, he was a big signing for them. A lot of money was being chucked at him. Um, to move out there Claremont have had a, a poor season by their standards um, but what he does and what he makes so valuable is that he, he does this move in the scrum I've spoken to a few scrummaging coaches about this called the crank where he pulls someone in tight with his binding arm and if things aren't going his way he can yank them down it's a way of milking penalties um, he's a he's a squat figure he's hard to scrummage against anyway but with weapons like that in his in his arsenal he becomes a really difficult player to play against and particularly if referees won't stamp out on that kind of behavior so when he has that and he's already difficult to scrummage against you can see why he was incredibly frustrating for that Northampton Saints front mm. row in the game is okay. that, is that Did, something sorry let's just, just clarify this so um Rabba, if you're if you're listening it was Alan Dimmock who called <laughs> you called you a cheat not not any of the others it's Mr Alan Dimmock and uh, we've we put in his uh, email and phone number and at the address, end of the program yeah. is, is he the only one who does the, the crack surely that's a that it, would be a, a common technique it's quite a standard practice but i suppose in the the bad boy olympics he would be winning gold gold for it because he is a firm proponent of the crank and why is he so good at it because he's squatting i think i think he's got short levers as well now binding yeah. can be a bit of an issue but you know he's he's also he's also got a head and neck like a triangle as well which means that makes his hard um, to scrimmage against it also means that you, you can struggle to get an angle on him if you want to turn in or out if you were so inclined as a as a scrummager. But because of his sh- because that paired with his short levers means that he's he just seems to be better at it than anyone else. Okay, let's uh, top this uh, 
prop, <laughs> propping loving you. Yeah, yeah. Tell me where you play, though. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> and um, just uh, let's just remember that uh, Munster and Leinster, um, possibly not quite as noisily, but but very very efficiently, still going strong. And uh, we're just going to conclude the uh, the European roundup of a fantastic weekend by just asking you, Al, uh, Glasgow again. Uh, so many high hopes now almost out of it by the look of it well they come unstuck for the second weekend in a row for having holes in their defence a lot of people will say it's fantastic to see Stuart Hogg back almost like he wasn't away when he he took his try managed to race in and catch the ball just before it dribbled uh, out the back of the try area and and, and dotted it down Seymour and Finn Russell uh, doing what they do on the front foot that's all well and good with Glasgow and with the new coaching setup they've got there stuff like that impresses fans that's great but when you've got a leaky defence two weekends in a row they're almost completely out of contention now in Europe because of that one person in the Leinster ranks that you'd like to give a, a shout out to uh, in classic radio style is Far- Scott Fardy for Leinster he only played 55 minutes but I've heard a lot of people talk about what he can, the hardness that he can bring with Leinster, when you consider all the talents that they have in their back row, and then you've got someone like him coming in with his experience, they, they could be a real threat, Leinster, this season. Yeah, obviously. Just uh, just a, one final word, and that's about the Welsh teams. Um, Llanethley, uh, it was a, sorry, Scarlets, it was a massive game for them at home against Bath. I know it was wet and maybe didn't suit their style, but Bath are, un, are under undermanned at the moment. And uh, really crushing that they lost that. I think I thought they had to win, absolutely had to win. Ospreys uh, brave and and bold against uh, Saracens. I thought they were they were terrific. I just think Saracens lapsed a little bit, but uh, good and bad for Wales there because uh, the tournament's going to be much better when they get uh, true contenders. That's uh, that's Europe. Okay, um, the pulse is quickening for the autumn internationals now. Um, all four home countries have got have got big games. Uh, although actually, England not as big as some because they're playing um, Argentina, Australia, and Samoa. Wales are playing the whole shooting match: West uh, South Africa, New Zealand, and Australia. Um, Eddie Jones' team is out, Alex, on Thursday, uh, or his squad of thirty odd is out. Thirty four, I believe. Thirty four. Um, is he, is he going? Who's he going to rest? Who's he going to pick? Is is he going to keep the uh, the infant school team he took to Argentina? Is he going to get rid of any of the old guard? How do you see it? And what's the general principles that Eddie's going to stick to? Um, well, the main principle for Eddie is that he never sticks to any principles. Yeah. He, he changes. He, I mean, he genuinely changes with the wind. Um, so his plan at the start of the season was was to rest uh, some of the key lions. He told Anthony Watson, for example, that he wouldn't play. In the autumn, since when he's lost Jack Knoll, um, Marlon Yard has failed to turn up for training. You know, those kind of things can can force him to change his mind. One of the things Eddie said was that life is full of contradictions, and, and so is he. Yeah. Um, but if you take as a starting point that Anthony Watson has said he he's not expecting to play in the autumn, he started all three Lions tests. Therefore, Owen Farrell, um, Elliot Daly, Marutoji. However, Farrell. Uh, has been rested a bit, Daly's been rested a bit, Itoji hasn't. So I, I would expect them to be involved in the squad, but only because Eddie wants to have them in training rather than playing. I think um, some of the, the players who made a mark in Argentina will be in. I, I think there are players who came through that 
Tour and have kicked on brilliantly like Nicky Ziek who's had a superb start to the season mm-hmm. I think he'll be there Piers Francis seems to be a favourite of Eddie Jones's um, I'll be interested to know what 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 he does about the 10s the because in that last training camp Marcus Smith was in John and Joseph wasn't in but without Ben Teo and Manu Tolangi John and Joseph it would have to be involved I would have thought um, and there are some there are some prop uh, interesting prop situations where Ellis Genge has been magnificent for Leicester that, um, and if Mako another who played all three Lions tests was to be rested they'd have Marla disciplinary notwithstanding and, uh, and Ellis Genge and then on, on the other side Sinclair's banned so they've got Dan Cole he loves Harry Williams but is there room for another? Uh, Adam uh, what, what are you looking for what are the principles and um, any any bolters or any key men who are going to be kicked out? Well, it's very hard to um, find a bolter that either the, who wasn't on the Lions tour, wasn't injured in the summer and wasn't in Argentina, because that makes up about 150 players. Um, <laughs> if I was Eddie Jones, I'd just want to win the next match. And frankly, if I paid 113 quid to go to Twickenham and Owen Farrell and Maro Toji aren't playing, I'd be a bit brassed yeah, off. I think that's a very good point, too. Good point. I good think, point. I mean, James Haskell um, could be a casualty here because they've now got Underhill, Tom Curry. We talk about Don Armand brilliant in the back row Courtney Laws has been so good this season I mean, yeah. Northampton have had you know, up and down but the one constant for them has been Courtney Laws who's just been extraordinary he has to play somewhere second row back row if he's back row then he's at six it means that there'll be no room for Chris Robshaw <coughs> well a, a former World Cup winning England coach in one of the papers this morning said that um, they've got to make their mind up about Laws whether he plays um, second row or six but uh, Clive Woodward said he'd stick him in the second row and keep Robshaw as his number one, number six. And I'm inclined to go with that. I know that winds you up, Steve. <laughs> Al, Eng- England, what are you looking for? Um, uh, Alex mentioned there that Harry Williams and how much they rate him. And I know that in Exeter, they've seen him come on leaps and bounds since he signed for them. And he's, he's done well on tour. They see him as a real thinker. Um, by all accounts, he's very good in analysis I know that's not the same as being out in the field but this is his opportunity to kick on because as you say Steve it's not they're not playing against the mightiest sides um, in, in the world so it gives a good opportunity for someone like him to kick on someone like Ellis Genge to, to really start racking up minutes and those are the kind of players that in two years time will be invaluable to England the other one as well is uh, Don Armand is the, is the one that's really in form and in vogue at the moment it'd be interesting to see where yeah. where he can actually squeeze in mm. because it's, the, it's, it's a similar situation to Mark Wilson as much as a stalwart as he is as much as everyone is proud of what he has done at Newcastle Falcons bringing these people into the squad to train is a nice doll for the cap but where do you actually put them out in the field when it comes to test I, I, I don't know what um, Eddie's got against Armand um, I mean he, he was man of the match of the Premiership final we went to their pre-Argentina training camp Eddie he just put in a staggering performance at Twickenham Eddie said he doesn't work hard enough he uh, got one game in Argentina off the bench um, didn't make the last training squad now he's playing out of his skin again I don't, so I don't expect to see him in it I just think yeah. there, there are two the, different types of two different styles of six that he's looking at and it's, it's the Itoji Laws option yeah, at six yeah, or fair. it's or it's the, the other option and that's where he's someone like Armand is up against Robshaw um, and, and at the moment Eddie would go with, with Robshaw because yeah. Because he he's been won over by him, having having dissed him horribly during yeah. the World Cup, he's been he's been won over by him, and um, and then that leaves at at seven. I don't think Haskell's in the picture now, so 
Elif Salmon the Hill to perform that kind of big tackling destroyer role at seven. I think yeah, andrew has got a chance. And um, as for Watson, um, England never never let him go at fullback. Um, Warren Gatland did a job for England because they said they stuck him at fullback and said go and play. And I'd like to see him for one of the rest him for two. I'd like to see him out there because uh, Mike Brown for me should should, uh, should not be in the squad. I think he's struggling badly. He's not offering anything in attack, and he's a bit of an empty shell of, of, of all his great years. Rob Shaw would never be in my in my squad, and I'm serious. You've been saying that for five years. I've been saying it for five years, and did they do well in the last World Cup or not? <laughs> Don Armand is a di- complete, completely different different class. Come on, let's let's, let's get real about it. Uh, there are too many favourites in the squad, too many old contemptibles who he cannot bring himself to get rid of. Ellis Genge, you've got a massive problem if you bring him in because every single scrum coach in the Premiership says he's illegal and they time mm. and time again. And if you put him in now, you run the risk against France or, or a scrummaging team of him really, really being found out. Uh, he's not a flanker, he's a tight head, tight head prop. Ollie Woodburn, if he's not in the squad, it means that England should stop putting out the names of coaches and what games they go to. Because if Woodburn's not in, they are going with blindfolds on and they should not even bother to watch club rugby. Not totally different class, totally different class to, to Marlin Yard, whatever, whatever he did. So uh, I hope that Eddie is bold. And instead of, I'm not saying he shouldn't pick experience, but only if it is still firing uh, 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 or basically there are some people there that maybe they got a permanent booking at Pennyhill Park if 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 he still if he still picks them time to it's time to move on but not to move on to pick to put to pick 3 year olds i'm sorry uh, let's just let's just move around the countries um alex um possibly interesting combination for ireland in the center yeah so um gary ringrose is, is injured for the autumn um and one of the options available to joe schmidt is to reunite Robbie Henshaw uh, with, with Bundyaki, the, the two, um, the Connaught midfield who, who helped them win the, the, the Pro 12 as was. Uh, Bundyaki's now qualified. Henshaw was was brilliant for Leinster the other week. Um, and that will give them a real heavy duty, big, powerful midfield. Um, I'm interested too in, in James Ryan, the, the young Munster lock um, who, who's on the Ireland radar, went on tour in the summer and, and a really good player there. So um, a few interesting selections for, for Joe Schmidt this autumn. In in Wales, um, uh, as usual, there's a huge um, uh, queue of people that peop- uh, people are punting up to play at fly half, which is all great as long as they do- as long as they make sure they pick Dan Bigger, who's way ahead of all of all that lot. Uh, tremendous back division developing there, uh, and a new kind of philosophy, uh, all down to the to the to the front row. I mean, they're still struggling really to find a dominant tight end prop. They really they really are. But uh, they've got the team, um, if everybody's fit to win a couple of, the, of their games. Well, so, whether they do or not is, uh, is another matter. But they've certainly got the, got, got the skills and the talent, Jonathan Davis, uh, in the backs f- for Wales. But uh, absolutely ferocious autumn that they've given themselves. Does the new um, WIU selection rule now allow them to pick Rhys Priestland when he was unavailable under the last rule? Because he was, he was unavailable under Gatlin's law because Gatlin didn't want to pick him. Now they've changed it. You have to have 60 caps, but if you were already outside the country, it doesn't count. Adam? And he's, well, he's play, I, I don't know, but he's playing out of his skin at the moment. He is. <laughs> so, and if you've got Bigger and Priestland together, that's a, that's a that's a hell of an option there at 10 and, and one on the bench. But uh, it's just, what, you know, Reese Webb seems to have been done over by the, the rule, but actually, 
from my understanding of it's right, and someone can tweet in and tell me I'm wrong, but it seems like it might have played Reese Priestland back into contention. Yeah, the, if, it's, it, if it's a clean sort of a clean slate, yeah, in all, yeah. It, it is. But you know, in this day and age, uh, as I've written so many times, when you've got uh, the whole thing distorted by vast salaries available, four times what you get in Wales in some cases, it is ridiculous. To, 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 to put up a barrier for any of your players. I'm afraid it is a fact of life. You cannot rule them out like that because you can't expect people to, to have a quarter of the salary and turn down someone else. Simple as that. And, and the players, the players um, should have good enough agents to get it written into their contracts with these clubs that they are going to be able to go to the national training weeks or whatever. Yeah. Um, in, you know, maybe take five grand a year off their salary or whatever it is. But that's, that's you, you, can't, you, you can't deny them the chance to go down half a million quid a year. Okay, uh, Al uh, Scott, uh, the Scottish revival now in its 27th year, I think. But yeah. what, uh, what's happening with them in the autumn? Well, they're playing against Samoa, then they've got the All Blacks and Australia. Um, but the big mm. talking points for Scotland are the fact that Greg Laidlaw is in, out injured at the moment. He hurt himself playing for Claremont. John Barkley has had issues with concussion recently. And it begs the question is, who is Gregor Townsend's, Townsend's third choice in line for captaincy for Scotland? Is it Ryan Wilson, who's been captain, captaining for Glasgow? Because Edinburgh have been running with uh, Marcus Bradbury, Magnus Bradbury, who's had, well, disciplinary issues off the field. He's He hurt his head on a night out, and there's a lot of questions about whether, what's going on there, whether he will retain the captaincy for Edinburgh. So you can't really turn there. Do you then look at Ryan Wilson, who's been playing in a Glasgow team who've been struggling in the European Cup? Or do you go to Johnny Gray, who hasn't been captaining this season, who's a bit of a sheepish lad, who does better when he gets his head down and gets on with the who job? Who do you have? I think you've got to hope that John, John Barkley comes through fit. If you go with Ryan, uh, Ryan Wilson... He needs a bit of a talking to, but to be fair, he is he is getting selected anyway. With John Barkley out, he will probably be in the back row. So he's, I'd imagine, he's at the front of the queue. And what wasn't this the season that it was supposed to sort of lift off? Because Rennie's Rennie's now in situ, Gregor's in situ. Is isn't it just the next few months so vital for Scottish rugby? It, it is. Um, it also helps that some of the holes are getting filled in again, though, because it's hard to have the revival you talk about and the kick on when you don't have your best players playing. So it's fantastic for them that they have Stuart Hogg back because then there are serious questions about who you play at fullback. The well ain't so deep in certain positions for Scotland. So having him and Finn Russell in uh, makes those decisions to kick on that much better. It all comes down to style of play because the way that Gregor coached um, with Glasgow is that he had contingency plans four phases into moves. Um, and it's be interesting to see how that beds in. It seemed to work for Scotland in the summer, but then, of course, they defeat Australia one weekend and then they lose to Fiji the next. They've got, they've got New Zealand second up. And that is the big benchmark because if you're wrecked mentally after that one and then you go into Australia, again, who have so many times been the bogey team, who knows what happens? It could change the complexion of that November. Alex, uh, the fact that the Australia beat the All Blacks, surely England cannot still conceive of losing a game this autumn. England should be better better than Australia by, by a distance. OK, uh, All Blacks with us soon. Al, they've got a massive squad there. What's, what's behind that? Well... There's, there have been some changes. New Zealand like to do this thing where they bring apprentices with them over to the to the old world to um, to get a bit of experience. It's what they no, did. The with, real world, yes, you exactly. Mean. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, they did it with Rico Iwani, and look at how he's kicked on. He will now be the undeniable starter for them, a real threat on the wing. The biggest changes for them have, uh, have been in their front row. They've not got no Joe Moody at loose head, and they've got no Owen Franks at tight head, which means that they've got quite a few what you call unknowns. Um, we don't see too much of the likes of Kane Hames, Nepo, Lala. 
Lala, Tim Perry as a new cap, Jeffrey Tumanga Allen. I mean, guys, I don't know how much you can tell me about these fellas because there's not so much you can see from them. Uh, they've also got young Asafo Amua, who's the 20-year-old hooker. He's who, unbelievable. Who <clears throat> caught fire at the at the Junior World Cup. He scored a hat-trick in the final against England as as New Zealand absolutely spanked England in that final. He's been he's been playing for Wellington. He's been scoring. Um, highlight real tries for them and he's in as, as an apprentice but that's probably the real opportunity There's, they're having a regeneration there in the front row um, you know and when you've got someone like Offa Tungafasi who will give you one monster hit a game as he did as he did against Dan Bigger against the Lions for the Blues as he did at the weekend against Bernard Foley that's fantastic but how do these guys knuckle down in the scrum and that's where the likes of Scotland and Wales will be looking at them and going right okay we've got a real opportunity because we don't know too much about these guys Blimey, that was good about the All Blacks. I'd never heard of half of that. But I suppose we all have to assume because they're Kiwis, they're brilliant players, and we all have to bow down at the ultra <laughs> black rugby. Yeah. I will say that that hooker Al Moore is um he's a bit he reminds me of Shout Bridge. He's a bit more stocky and right. powerful, but he scores those tries kind of X factor. Yeah, it's for a hooker, great footwork, okay. good player. Okay, guys, listen, um, we 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 just uh, have to wrap up there because. Uh, Rabbi Slamani's solicitor's trying to get through. Um, <laughs> he, he's, he's actually holding on the line. But um, just look forward to where we're going on the weekend uh, as professional journalists. <laughs> Hathers, you're a pro. You, no doubt you're going to a big game. Yeah, I'm going to um, Northampton Wasps, which would be quite interesting. Wasps. I thought so. I thought uh, you'd be going to a big well, one. Well, that's yeah. where the, the um, big hitting journalists are going. That's where the big one. Well, yeah. I'm going there. So um, the pros are all going there. <laughs> um, uh, Alex, I hear you're going to Denmark. Is that uh, researching Denmark rugby? Uh, it's no, it's a half half term trip to Legoland. <laughs> right. Okay. <Yeah. laughs> no rugby element at all in that. Um. No. Okay. Is it a rugby season? Well, I've done. I don't know. I must have researched. Maybe Denmark can be the next Germany. Okay. Al, um, I hear you're bound bound for Scotland. No. Um, I've been talking to Mandy, <laughs> your fiance. I understand you're looking at. Uh, uh, venues for the wedding. Now, I'm sure, a man of your stature, you'll be starting off at castles, baronial halls, uh, Rolls Royces, if not horse-drawn carriages. I, uh, I'm sure you won't be putting in anything that could be called cheapskate in that. So what are your plans at the moment? What's your vision? Bearing in mind I'm from Dundee as well, so actually a bottle of Bucky around the back would be a good reception, <laughs> I, I find. I just think that's offensive. Cause, I mean, your gorgeous bride, I think it's got to be full out. Well, if we've got any sponsors that are listening that want to help pay for my wedding, that would be fantastic. Touch. Okay, could you put that in there? Would would they be get a line in the in the top of the wedding? Would it be like the Coca Cola um, <laughs> wedding or we something? Can like? Actually, we could sell naming rights to my wedding. Okay, as long as it's not Weddingy McWedding Face or something like that, <laughs> you, can, you can have it if you've got the right money. Excellent. Well, two professionals are going out on the road uh, to cover rugby. The rest, uh, uh, the rest, nowhere it seems. But. Uh, Thanks uh, very much indeed, uh, Alex, Adam and Al uh, for coming in. I uh, hope you enjoyed it and uh, we'll be back next week. As we always say, thanks for downloading us, thanks for listening, uh, thanks for all the input and uh, we'll be back with you next Monday. Totally it would be good without Slotty.